book of the Bible called Ephesians. If you're part of the church here, you'll be used to the fact that since... When did we start this series? Everyone's <laughs> saying different things. Was it September? Okay, so since September we've been working through this book. It's quite a dense book in the Bible. It's written by someone called Paul and his style is very, very dense. So he kind of, he, 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 he crams word upon word upon word. And so it, it, it's, it's the kind of, the letters he writes are the kind of letters you can spend like easily a whole sermon um, in, in a sentence, which I guess is fundamentally what we'll be doing, doing today. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you're, if you're, new to church or uh, to this church particularly we, we, we give this part of the service to just teaching from the Bible um, because we, we do believe that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit um, we really do believe that, that, that the scriptures have been inspired by God and our, every, every, every bit of them are useful for the Bible says it's useful for teaching and for training and for correcting and for equipping us to, to live righteously so we really um, want to make the, the Bible central to all that we do public reading of scripture and other things. Um, before I get into the actual passage today, I want to introduce the theme of the passage, which is about speech. Um, if you're a Christian, then you've probably got quite a, quite a strong understanding of the power of speech, because like, we believe that, that God spoke creation into being, which is a mysterious thing. Um, and, you know, you can't really plumb the depths of that one. But the, there's something in, in, in the power of God's speech that when he speaks something, it, it comes into existence. Okay? So his speech has got creative power. And not only that, that the Bible teaches that it, it, every, all of creation is sustained by that creative word. So that everything around us that we, that we see and hear and smell and taste and touch has been created by God's word and is being sustained by him. That it has that power to not just bring into being, but to bring right through to completion. Um, and even even that, you know, our own existence ourselves are all, all tied up in this thing. So the Christian view of life when it comes to speech is it's very, very significant indeed. In fact, the Bible says that um, Jesus, who is the, the ultimate final expression, if you like, of who God is, um, he's, one, of, one of his titles in the Bible is the Word of God. Which is a fascinating thing that this idea that, that God's fullest expression of himself should be called the word of God. That, that, that there's something about speech that is a, is a final expression. I don't know about you, but first time I heard David Beckham speak, I was really surprised. Because he, he looks cooler than his voices, right? You get, you, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying. He, he, he look, his voice is normal, but he just looks really cool. Um, so you're expecting his voice to be really cool, and it's not. Um, Mike Tyson is another one. It's a heavyweight boxer. You think, man, look at this guy. He speaks, and it's like, oh. It's really high, really high voice with this little cute lisp. It's like, man. And it's a funny thing about speech. It's, you cut, it's hard to get to know, there's something about, the expression of speech, whereby in that moment, you feel like you've come to know the person a bit more than you did before. In a superficial way, maybe by the way they speak. If, if you don't know me and I'd got up here today and I'd uh, had a sort of a, a, an Eton accent, you know, I won't do it because it comes across as if I'm mocking and I'm not mocking at all, but it, it would come across that way. But I, you would probably, if you didn't know me, would perceive me in a very different way than you currently do because there's something about the way we speak on quite a superficial level, but actually on a deeper level, the kind of things we say and the spirit 
within which we say them, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can be around someone and the first thing they say is a very cutting remark. And you think, oh, okay, I'm going to be careful around you. You've, as a result of that speech, you, you're, you're, you're now, it's impacting the way that you're going to relate to that person. Um, <clears throat> or if, some, if someone's very <clears throat> gentle and almost timid, you know, you might want to think, I want to get alongside that person and just kind of, you know, encourage them a bit. You know, because there's something about the way that we speak, the things we say, the spirit behind our speech that gives a lot away about ourselves. It really does. Um, you know, if you're uncertain, it's going to come across in the way that you speak. If you're super confident, it'll come across in the way that you speak, etc., etc., etc. Now, what is this about? This is to do with the fact that um, the Bible teaches that we're made in the, Im- in the image of God. There's something very powerful about God's words, i.e. creation and the sustaining of all things. There's something really powerful about our words. It just is. Um, I- I'll-, I'll read to you, read to you um, a-, a passage which is... Um, Oh, no, no, we'll, we'll get there later. We'll start with one in James, where it just, this little comment in the book of James. We're going to be in Ephesians, but I'm just trying to introduce the, the theme. Uh, and if you're new, we're talking about 35 minutes for this whole talk, okay, just to, so you know what's coming. Right, so, <laughs> you know if you're distracted, how long is it going to be? You don't hear anything, so that's probably where we're going. So, James says, um, uh, James chapter 3, he says, We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So he's basically saying, if you can control your mouth, you can control everything about yourself. Wow. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. It's quite a helpful image. You know, you put a, you put a bit inside a horse. When you ride in a horse, um, you know, you turn your hand that way, the whole of the horse's body goes that way, and the image being this thing in its mouth. Uh, you know, what's happening in the mouth is determining the whole direction. And then he, later he talks about a rudder and a boat and this little thing here. You know, you just turn it and it turns the whole ship. And he goes on to say that the whole course of your life is determined by what you say. Think, or, and also, to some degree, what others say to you. That's one, you know, ever heard the words, you're fired? Two very simple words impacts the course of your life. Or maybe there's two very simple words that you've said before, I do, or I don't, <laughs> impacts the course of your life. Words are really, really powerful things. There's, there's, something, about, there's something about words that kind of makes, it makes something concrete. There's a thought, but when you begin to articulate, the thing takes on a different dynamic. It's a very concrete thing. Um, you know, you say you're an idiot to a psychopath, it's going to affect the course of your life. <laughs> yeah? You can think, why did, you know, those moments you go, why did I say that? Anyone ever had those? I have had those. You know, you know we used to call, <laughs> back in the day when I first started preaching years back, we call them preacher's size. And what it was, it would be, be a church in the morning, Sunday afternoon, somewhere in the flat, Davina would just hear this, oh. And she goes, are you alright? I said, yeah, I just remember, I can't believe I said that in front of 150 people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you think, oh, you just sit with your head in your hands for 10 minutes. Because, you know, you think, oh, you know, I hope it didn't come across like that. Or, you know, it's a big deal. To stand up and do this, even uh, 20 years on, this is a big, big deal. Because you think, okay, this has power. Not because I'm powerful, but because our words have power. Full stop, you know? So we, we just want to take this really seriously today. Um, other little, other little uh, words speak, spoken that might uh, remind us of the power of words. I have a dream. Four words. 
Obviously it was a part of a bigger speech, but big deal. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who says that when they're being crucified? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, you think. (sighs) People are throwing dice over your clothes. Mocking you. Hurling abuse at you. Come on, if you're the son of God, get yourself down. You know, you think, well, what do I say? You know, what does he say? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, when, when Jesus is hanging on a cross, it points over to Mary, his mum, uh, and, uh, and says, and then, and says to, to John, the disciple, he's your son now. And to John, she's your mum now. And he's thinking, Who's, he's, being, he's being punished for the sins of the world, and he's thinking about Mary's mum, and he's going to look after her, and he speaks these words of compassion. Or, of course, the words were, many of us are familiar with, it is finished. You know, that moment where he gives up his final breath, where he's, he's not saying, I'm finished, he's saying, the job I've come to do is finished. I have borne in my body the sins of the world. There's now a way open. Back to God for forgiveness and reconciliation. These are mighty powerful words that we need to be reminded of. And then, and then just this one in John, which is, re- this is probably one of the most sobering, passages in scripture so if you're new to the bible and you think flip that's intense it is a particularly intense passage okay the bible is a serious book but this is particularly intense jesus in matthew 12 says um either make the tree good and, and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit um and then he, he says you brood of vipers he's talking to some um hypocrites religious hypocrites you brood of vipers he says how can you speak good when you're evil for out of, here it is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, I mean, that's huge. It's basically saying, this is an overflow of that. Out of, the, out of the fullness of the heart, it overflows out into our speech. And then he says, um, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. I mean, if, if there's ever a passage in the Bible that, that causes you to say, Lord, please, can you have mercy on me? Because <laughs> I, think, I think I might be in a bit of trouble. It's this one. It's this one. And uh, the, I just, I, now you think, well, why is, it so, why is it so serious? Well, here's the thing. The Bible says that the tongue has the power of life and death. You can bring life. I mean, wow, what potential there is in words. You can speak, you can speak words of truth, grace, encouragement, you know, and do amazing things with those words. And we all know what else you can do with our words. And I want us to look at that. So in the passage in Ephesians, it's a very, it's like, like I say, it's, I think it's just one sentence, and it's right bang in the middle of the book where we, where we have been for the last few weeks, where Paul's really working out at this stage of his letter. He's written about everything God's done um, for, for the church there through Jesus. He's written about the fact that in, in Christ they're forgiven, they're adopted, they've been chosen, the slate's been wiped clean, they've got new life, they've got the Holy Spirit. Remember all of that? We had a lovely time in that, didn't we? Really meditating on that over the autumn. And he just unpacks everything that God has done for us in Jesus, like as a, as a gift. And it's like, wow, look at the grace of God. And, and that's the good news. The good news is that God has, God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ, the King, the King of glory. So we're like, wow. And then he gets on, and in this part of the letter, he's really saying, what, what, what kind of impact is this message going to have on your life? And we've, 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 looked, at, um, uh, we've looked at speaking honestly, speaking the truth in love uh, and not, 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 not um, 
you know, deceiving one another. We've looked at that. Uh, we've looked at how we deal with anger um, in, in light of the gospel. Um, we looked at stealing and work last week in light of the gospel. This week, here it is, verse, um, verse 29. Let no, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, only such is, as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I'll say it once more. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And Father, I just do want to ask you to really help me to do justice to these words, that your spirit would empower my speech and that for those who listen, that I just want to pray, Lord, they would hear you. I, I pray, Lord, that, you know, um, that you, you would take my words, but that you would do something in the hearts of people whereby they would know that um, they wouldn't go away uh, thinking about me. I pray, that, I pray that something directly from your word here would be impacted in the hearts. Amen. So now the first thing to bear in mind, you've got to labour this, otherwise we, we, tend, we tend to get it uh, wrong really, is that the Bible teaches that fundamentally we're all rotten trees. Uh, none, of us are, none of us are good healthy trees. Now that might sound a bit negative. I'm not saying there's nothing good in people. There's loads of good in people in the, in the sense that we're, we're made in the image of God and traces of God's image remain in people. So I'm not, don't get me, I'm not saying everything everyone does is wicked. I'm not saying that. But, but fundamentally, what, what the Bible really does teach is that every part of us has been infected by this disease called, called sin. So when we are not what we ought to have been. We, we are, we, there, there is this, there is this diseasedness about us. I'm sorry if you find that offensive, it's not my desire, or aim to offend you. I uh, just want to be faithful to the gospel and to biblical truth and just say that is what the Bible teaches. And then there's actually an essential part of, of being reconciled to God, coming back to him, is recognising this. You can't sort of bypass this and just get onto the exciting stuff. <laughs> you know, there's this element where you have to come to that point where you, where you realise, I do need forgiveness. You realise I have, I have offended God by the things I've said, things I haven't said, things I've done, the bad things I've done, the good things I haven't done. Um, so I, do, you know, I want you to understand here, if you're thinking, what's this church about? We are a bunch of very, very ordinary people who have realised that, that, that we've got it wrong and we want, we, we want to come home. Because we've got it wrong, we've kind of, we've kind of left the family. We've, we've walked away from our Creator for our sin and, and God, through Jesus, is calling us back home. And we want to come back home. But there's just that acknowledging of, do you know what, I, 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 I've blown it. Not, not to just kind of satisfy something kind of perverse in God that he really enjoys that. But in that sense of just, God is a God of all truth. And if you're going to have a relationship with him, it has to be based on just total truth and truthfulness. So it's coming and saying, Lord, I do need forgiveness. I recognise I've got it wrong. I've offended you. I've hurt other people. And I do need forgiveness. And that through the cross, that forgiveness was purchased for me. And we're, we're people that have just accepted that, seen that, and have embrace that. Um, this is not a bunch of perfect people, this is not a bunch of people that have got it right and are telling others they've got it wrong. We've all got it wrong. We're committed to that message. <laughs> and we're committed to the message that Jesus is absolutely perfect and stunning and will freely make us right with God. So it's just important that you, that you realise that. So, so, we're, so, so through the gospel we are recreated in a sense that, 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 that the, the power of sin that we sort of live under is broken over us so we can be made into a brand new person. And, and although we we still are imperfect, there's a sense in which God says, I'm going to make you a new creation so that good fruit can come. I'm going to make you a new tree. So to be born again, you become a good tree, yeah? In the in, in, in sense of made brand new. So that's really important because if you start trying to just, I'm going to get my speech really well, I'm not going to 
talk corruptly. If you just try and do that in your own effort, you'll just get, you'll just get in a pickle. It's, the Bible is not a self-help book. It's not, here's how to sort yourself out. <laughs> the Bible says you can't. The power of sin is too much. You can't do it. But in Jesus, there is power out, out of the grip of sin. Right? So, it's not self-help. Right? Say after me, it's not self-help. <laughs> all right, it's really important, all right? So, because in a sermon like this, I'm going to be exhorting certain things, but listen, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that before anything, you've, you've come to the cross and you've allowed God by his grace to make you into a new tree, okay? So once you've done that, here are the words to you. Um, first, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Now, it's really important, this word let, it's about permission, which, which tells me that as far as the Bible writers are concerned, who are inspired by the Holy Spirit, so as far as God is concerned... I have authority over what comes out of this. I can't just say, it just, it just came out. Even if it's in a split second, there is a decision that I make to say that thing. I don't know if you've ever been told to think before you speak. That, that, that's ringing in my ears from childhood. That was a big one for me. That was, that was the quote, if you like. I can remember my stepdad yeah, a lot of times. Think before you speak. I was the kid who would really you know, put my foot in it. Because um, there's something about that moment of giving yourself permission. We've all been there. You're teetering on it and you think this would get a great laugh, but it could be really hurtful. What do I do? You know that moment. You know? This could really help. But can I be bothered? Have I got the energy? <laughs> yeah, so, he, so first he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. This word corrupting is about rottenness. Don't let rotten stuff come out. All of us in our homes, in our workplaces, in other things we're part of, clubs, hobbies, whatever, there's a culture in those places, isn't there? There's, there's a culture, there's things that are considered normal or abnormal, there's a way that people relate to each other. Every family, every household, every flat share, every church, uh, every workplace has a culture. You'll know it. If you go there new, you'll see it much more than the people in it. You'll, you'll notice it. And here's the thing, your, that your la the language that you use creates culture. The words you use create the culture. It's sobering, but true. So if you think to yourself, you know, I just would love my workplace to just be a bit, a bit purer in the way people relate to each other. It's always innuendo and it's like, man, alive. Oh, it's horrible. You've got a choice. You can either be like a, a, a thermometer that reflects the current temperature or you can be a thermostat that sets a new one. Yeah? Very different things, aren't they? A thermometer just reflects. This is what the temperature currently is. You can be like that. Or you can say, you know, I wonder, God, if you would give me some grace to be a bit of a, to be a, bit of a thermostat here, to actually affect the temperature. And the sobering thing is this, if, whatever setup, whatever place I, I go, so I, I'm part of, uh, I live with my wife and three children, there's a setting for me there, I'm a very involved as a member of the church here, and I'm, I'm committed in a sense, I guess, to, my, to St Pancras Amateur Boxing Club where I go and train, and I have friendships and relationships there. So there's, there's three places, just you know, week, week in, week out, where I'm involved in a particular culture. If I want those places to be purer, or to be more encouraging or whatever. The most powerful way I can go about that is to not permit certain things to come out of here and to permit other things to come out. I could start a campaign saying we should change the culture here, but that's too easy actually. 
Because you're just lobbying other people to do something that you want to, so the change comes. Or I can begin from the inside out to start changing the culture. I can say, do you know what, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to allow the muck to come out anymore. Even though everyone else is always gossiping in this particular culture, or it's always innuendo, or it's always, do you know what, I am very going to, very gradually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, help to make some change. Now you might think, well what difference will that make? Well actually Jesus said that the way his kingdom goes forward is like a little bit of yeast in a loaf. And um, I, I've never made a loaf of bread but Davina's made hundreds and I know how this thing works. You just put the, you put the yeast in, it's a very small amount and actually you, 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 on, on the surface you think, well what's this going to do? But over time the whole, the whole loaf is impacted by it. Jesus said actually that's the normal way his kingdom advances. Sometimes dramatic things happen and whole communities suddenly, you know, um, suddenly are interested in Jesus that weren't before. But probably the normal way is just, it's very just under the surface. But people believe that their contribution can make a difference. So they say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on top of my speech here. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Maybe you think, oh, you know, you know, the running partners, we have something called running partners where we just get together in twos, threes, fours and just try and kind of help each other in the Christian race together. You might be thinking, I wish I had a more authentic running partners. Don't let the superficial come out of your mouth anymore. Take it to a different level. Change the culture. That's how, that's how cultures change. Someone gets brave. <laughs> Someone goes, do you know what, blow it. I want to be real. And they go, boom. And, and sometimes it can be a bit of a pickle, but normally something really good happens. And it gives permission. Maybe you think, our oh, gospel community, it, it, you know, it just needs to be a bit more or a bit less. Okay. Language creates culture. So it's a very powerful thing. You think, wow, is it really that powerful? It really is that powerful. What we say, how we say it, how we go about it. Um, it's really, really important. Then he gets onto the, onto the positive stuff where he says, so he said that, don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So we've got to learn to be ruthless with the bad stuff. I want to just say that, right? And you might think, oh, yeah, I don't want to come across unrealistic and naive and, you know, it's not like you can never say anything negative, actually. Sometimes you really do need to say something negative. Sometimes there's, there's some things that just need gently pulling down before you can build something good. It's true. Absolutely. Um, so it's not, but it's, it's just rotten stuff. It's stuff that comes out of a cynical spirit or, um, or comes out of like unbelief. You, just, you know what I mean? You just, you basically say you believe, but you, 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 you really, your heart's full of unbelief and it comes out of that. Or bitterness or just kind of like your, your mind's just been like washed in just kind of like sexual filth and that just comes out. You, listen, if you're a believer, you're in the light now. Come on. <laughs> You're in the light. This isn't me telling you off. This is you. You've got to think through. If you're in the light, you've got to walk in the light. And you've got to be, you've got to be able to start saying to yourself, you know what, this has got to stop now. And then also, you'd be wise to say, what's this coming out of? What's happened? What's happened? And then often the Lord in his mercy would just show you, just reveal something that went on and you let it get in your spirit and you got bitter. Or, or, or something you just, you've allowed yourself to just sort of soak in but it's really, got, it's really affected who you are. And, and the beauty is, is, that, is that the word of God washes you, washes you from that stuff. So you can be clean and, you know, but there is something about saying, I'm not going to let that come out anymore. And it will kind of create probably a bit of a spiritual standoff where the Lord can really give you a breakthrough. So that's that, okay? And then just get on to the other ones. Um, the next thing he says is, no, don't, don't let any corruption stuff come out. Only that which is good for building up. 
It's so much easier to tear down than build up, isn't it? Oh, mate, you know, you've all been on the beach, or uh, if you haven't been on the beach, here's what happens on the beach. Some poor kid spends about six hours building the most amazing sandcastle you can imagine. Special pebbles chosen to go on top of these turrets, goes to the shop, picks up a little packet of paper flags, and there you go in, spends ages digging tunnels under the moat, sits back and in wonder at his creation, and some three-year-old from that family there goes, <laughs> treads all over it. And you think, that took six hours. That took five seconds. There's an important principle there. It's so much easier to just look on the sidelines and tear something down. Isn't it? So much easier to just criticise. Ah. Well, all right. <laughs> You know, you say, well, you know, you might, you might do it about the church. Look at that lot. Well, all right, we're trying our best. Come and join us. Come and help us make it better. <laughs> you know, rather than, it's just too easy to sit on the sidelines. Too easy to tear down. It doesn't take any imagination. You can just pin, pin sit, I'm going to find something wrong with it. Well, you find something wrong with anything if you want to. He says, let your words be for the building up. That takes a bit more imagination, that takes a bit more thought, that takes a bit more care, that takes a different kind of spirit to be able to say, even though maybe, you, maybe it's a difficult conversation and you've got to say something and you think this is going to hurt, but it needs to be done. You think, how can I do this in a way that, that whereby it's not just pulling down, but it, the, the way I do this, it kind of brings some vision for something that we might build. Wow, huh? that's different. That's what he's getting at there. That's what he's getting. Particularly those of you, if you, some of you, you just know you're quick to, you're quick to judge. Some of us naturally are just a bit more like that. Quick to analyse and judge and just say, but you see what's wrong. You just do. You're sitting there thinking, I just see what's wrong. Some people are, are more put together like that. And actually, it has, it ha- it, there's a use for that. There's a use for that. Because some people are just so flipping optimistic. You know, someone's got to say, oi. <laughs> And then we're like, well, that's no, right. No, no, stop. There's a use for these different temperaments God gives us. But we're all, if we're all looking to build, then we can do it well. We can do it well. So, for the building up, and then he goes on to say, um, uh, where are we? As fits the occasion. That's, that's wise there. That's really wise. As fits the occasion. The Bible says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. It's a time to speak and a time to refrain from speaking. It's a time for war and it's a time for peace. There's times and seasons, you know. And sometimes when you're with your friends, you think, this is a time for me to just shut up and sit here and be with them. <laughs> That's what fits the occasion. story in the Bible called, about a man called Job, everything was taken away from him. And he was in bits. His health, his family, it's an awful story, tragedy. He sat there weeping and mourning, scraping himself with broken... Um, Jars, because he's so bo- covered in boils. A horrible, horrible picture. His three friends come along. We're told they sit with him for a week in silence. It's the best thing they did. The rest of the letter is them opening their mouths, telling them what he'd done wrong, which God then rebukes them for at the end of the story. If they just sat there in silence for a week, they would have been commended. <laughs> it didn't fit the occasion. Started moralising. Oh, we know why this has happened. No, they didn't. It's got to fit the occasion. There's a time to come alongside and exhort and encourage one another. There's a time to just, you, you, know, you know that person just needs space. There is a time to rebuke. There's a time to say, wow, that really hurt when you did that. Oof. But there's another time where actually you can see that the person knows that already. Yeah? And they're suffering because of it. Don't rub salt in the wound. 
fits the occasion, the, the thing to say would be, do you know what, I can see that, I can see you, can see what you did, and I want you to know I still love you. It's a word that fits the occasion. So there's wisdom from the Holy Spirit in these things. Um, there's a time to bring the joke and make it light-hearted. There's a time for that. There's a time when you've got to actually we need to keep things as serious as possible now. Otherwise, you could just get really blasé about something really serious. See, it's wisdom from God in that speech. And then finally, I love this. And, and um, only such is good for building up fits the occasions, and it may give grace to those who hear. Wow, what an incredible privilege to be able to give, express something of God's favour to those who are listening to us. Whereby, as a result of listening to our words, they can feel encouraged, built up. They can feel, I've received some life into my soul today through being around you, through this conversation. I've just, I've come away bigger. <laughs> I've come away like, alright, we're going to go again. Isn't that amazing? The power of words. The power of words spoken under the Holy Spirit's anointing. I mean, this is, this is really... Really, really powerful stuff. Really, really powerful stuff. This is all this stuff I'm speaking to. This is what God is like. This is what His words are like. He's like this. If you if you read the wider context of this passage, it says, "Be imitators of God." This is what He's like. You know, what's God like? Well, all these things I've said and a whole lot more. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What Jesus? That's that's what God's like. Jesus said, "You've seen me. You've seen the Father." This is what He's like. This is the privilege it is to know Him. And to walk with him. His, his words gives grace to those who hear. He, he has gracious words. His words too today are things like, do you know what? No matter how much you've messed up, if you will turn away and turn towards me, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. We'll start right from scratch. Whether you're old, whether you're young, brand new beginning. I experienced that when I was 18, so 24 years ago, and can just testify to the, to the truth of, of that promise. I really can. It's, he... he he is incredible. And uh, I guess my, my question is, is, is today, I guess to end, to flip it on its head a bit and just say, will we listen? Will we listen to his words? Those of us that are believers, will, will we listen to this and say, do you know what? God, God empower me to live out of this new heart, this, to, to, for this new tree to bear good fruit. Lord, help me to bring the issues in my heart to you and to, to get them cleansed. So that, so that the overflow reflects the cleansing. One. You know, will we, you know, the word that Emma brought about, let's play this forward, the, the, the Lordship of Christ and everything, let's play it forward, what does that look like? Well, you know, it does mean not just surviving in home, at home, in the workplace, but it's like, Lord, help us to, help us, just make our little effort. You know, the thing about Jesus is this, remember that little boy, there's a big crowd, all hungry, thousands of them, the little boy just bought some bread and fish, Jesus fed everyone with it. There's this, this principle in the gospel where you just bring what you got. Put it in Jesus' hands. Let him, do the ama- let him make it amazing. Right? Don't get what's up with always. I'm not amazing. No, none of us are. Yeah, not meant to be amazing. Right? He is. Bring what we got. Put it in his hands. Let him, he will do amazing stuff with it. It's a pressure's off in that sense, but bring what you got. And say, Jesus, you know what? I reckon at work I can, I can give myself less permission, much less permission, to be corrupt in my talk. I've just got a bit, I've just become a lot, I've become a, become a thermometer. I reckon I could be much, much more encouraging. And, yeah, so just, just bring what you've got to Lord. And no, if you're here, Dan, you're not a Christian, or you know, you're not even sure, you wouldn't even know quite where to, to categorise yourself if someone asked you. I guess I, I want to just, 
I want to just ask you to maybe, because what we've got, we've got about 15 minutes left of the service and we'll, we'll sing a couple more songs, we'll, we'll break bread in just a moment and, and, uh, and, and drink the wine. And uh, just during that time, if you're someone, you, you, you know, you, you're not a follower of Jesus or you just don't know, just ask you to reflect on, on this message. I ask you to reflect. When, you, when you're watching uh, the Christians take the bread and the wine, you think, what are they doing there? What they're doing is they're, they're basically, what we do, we just live our lives, in a sense, at the foot of the cross. We just constantly remember Jesus Christ crucified and risen for us. And although it might sound a bit odd, you think, what, what can that do? That is God's answer to our problem. As bizarre as it might sound. <laughs> the Bible says that that is the power and wisdom of God. And you might think, that doesn't make sense. The Bible says it's deliberate. God wanted to pull the rug out on the world's pride and the world's wisdom. Because it does, in our wisdom we haven't come to know him. And God, the, God's way of pulling the rug out is by, is by sending his only son to die on a cross for our sins. And you know, you might think, well, it's, it's stupid. Um, the Bible says, some people say, it's just foolish, it's, it's, it's stupid. But the Bible says, to those who believe, to those who are called, this is the wisdom and power of God. This is life-changing. So I just want to encourage you to reflect on that, ponder that, and just, I guess, open your heart to God. And what does that mean? It probably just means something like, maybe you could even pray for the first time and say, God, look, if you're real, <laughs> if this is true, if you're there, show yourself to me. You know, There won't be any tricks or stunts or magic from up front. No one's going to pull a rabbit out of hat up here. You don't need to do that. God really can show himself to you. Okay? We, there's no, no, no funny business. Um, we believe in a God who's real and sovereign and alive, who loves to show himself to people. So if you say to him, Lord, if you're real, can you show yourself to me? Uh, we just, we just, we just, great. Leave it, leave it in his hands. We so trust him. We just so trust him. So.